happening. But this month, as we start the year, I'm engaging in conversation about rhythms. So as you think about the new year, and, you know, we're already, you know, 14 days into the month, and so maybe, you know, we still say Happy New Year to one another, as, you know, it's just interesting, but, um, but as you think about the year, maybe you've set resolutions, and you love to set goals, or maybe you haven't thought about it at all, <laughs> you know, we, I want to lead you to things that are, are important that maybe you haven't thought about, and as we talk about our relationship with God, and we just saying, God, I trust you, forever I'm changed. And, uh, and I trust you with my life, and your words to me are true. And we're singing these pretty incredible words, if you really think about it. What leads us to make those types of commitments, to even sing that out loud in, in praise to God? It's kind of like singing a commitment. Well, something leads us to that. And so what we do, we, we're engaging this incredible God who's loved us in this story. And you're invited into that no matter where you're at in the journey. We hope this is a safe place for you to come and engage God. And so with that, as we learn about Christ, as we learn to follow him, we want to read his words. And so we have these incredible written words to us. And so uh, we want to learn to pray and all these different things that God has given us, not because there's some ritual that that we found or we have to do. No, because it engages us in this relationship with God. And as you listen to him and learn about who he is, it can lead you, if you're willing, into these commitments that we make. And so we call these spiritual disciplines or rhythms that we engage in. And so my goal this month is for you to begin to establish four things. A weekly rhythm, maybe even a monthly rhythm, because many of these things you've never done before. So you may just start with one, and that's great. But here's four things. We'll put these up here. Our goal is to establish a three-hour break. And we call this, uh, you know, based on the scripture from the past, a Sabbath, but learning to take time off. Now, we all know about time off, but having a weekly rhythm where you disengage from work and technology. And so if you've not really done that before, the first place I recommend starting is three hours. Try to go three hours without your phone. That's pretty interesting. So that's a safe place, right? So it might feel like a long time, and it'll reveal a lot about yourself. <laughs> but learning to do the rhythm of rest, where we're learning to trust God that he's given us rest. And we want to learn to rest in, in delight. Our, everything around us is, is consumed with building more and getting more money and property and all these different things. But what we don't realize is what, what is so incredible for us is time. And so we want to learn the discipline of working our time towards rest. That that is gold, is time. And so we'll talk about that in, I believe, next week to talk about rest, but learning to establish that. I want to engage in reading Scripture each week. God's word to us, and I talked about that last Sunday, that, that it is when we read Scripture, these letters and these words that God has given to us, it brings us to hear about what he says about us, and it challenges us, and it encourages us, it gives us strength, it's a place that brings us, and we hear from God, and it's so important that we learn and we read Scripture. And so you can start with like, you know, 10 minutes a week learning to read through books, or, you know, start there and then go from there. But you can turn it into a daily habit. You can download the Bible app 
and listen to it on your commute. There's all kinds of ways to engage in Scripture. And then we want to learn how to pray. And we're going to talk about prayer today and then impacting others, where we learn to live outwardly, not just for ourselves, where we learn to serve others. It's why we serve the sharing place. It is a natural place of how we love the city. And it's why we, we, we have people serving here today and on Sunday teams, and people serve in different opportunities like social media or you know, uh, in a simple service during the week. We learn to give financially. We learn to give to others because God has made us to do those things, and it brings us joy. It brings us to life. If we establish these habits in our lives, it will, it will bring you to joy and to be fulfilled to the life that God talks about that we have in Him. So today I want to continue and talk about prayer. And so prayer is, is interesting because we all have some type of opinion about what prayer is based on your experience and it could just be through media, through what you grew up, if you watch The Simpsons, or, or other, you know, you know, maybe things that you see in social media about what prayer is happening, or the different denominations or church that you may or may not have grown up in. So you could have a total view of prayer just through media alone, if you've not grown up in church much, or through the, your church experiences. So there's a whole broad spectrum of this. And even if you grew up in, you know, about prayer, or you've done it yourself, or your family did it, I don't know. But even then, we, we drift away from what prayer could be. And so I want to just talk about why do we pray and all those different things. And hopefully, um, you know, put aside any, any message you have and just talk about it in a basic way. And we, we could talk about prayer for weeks. <laughs> it's, we have a complex God that we serve. And prayer is complex, multifaceted. Absolutely. But today, I just want to talk about some foundational things. And I've talked about these before. So if you've been with us in the past year, I have discussed this. But, but as we talk about rhythms, I want to call us back to these things. So I want to go at it at a simple level that's important for us to establish together. And so it's part of how we engage in this relationship with God. Okay, so prayer is interesting. Because of everything I've just said, Establishing a routine of prayer could feel like a large task. And so we're focusing on simple starts if it's not, it's not a habit for you. Uh, but there are many other reasons like we could feel this way about prayer. And so here's some of the reasons that we may have. You've adopted a view of prayer just from the culture around us um, or through a public setting like this. So you feel like, well, the pastor prays this way and I can't pray like that. You know, so there's all kinds of views that you have. Um, or you've tried it. You've tried to pray. Um, and you didn't really see anything coming out of it. And so you could cause you to struggle to believe or with faith altogether. Maybe you've tried it and nothing really happened. Um, or you want to pray and you see it as something God has given us, but you don't necessarily enjoy it. And so... It's just not always easy to do consistently. That, that definitely happens. Um, or you know you should do it, or you, you know, you've thought about it that way, and you've tried it, but then you don't do it, and then you feel guilty. And so you just don't engage with it at all. I, I tend to be that type of person where I just like, oh, you know, I, I, I get, you get out of the habit, and or you feel guilty, and so you're like, oh, you know. And so you start to do it, and then you fall away. Or maybe there's just all these different things. Others that are around you in your life claim to be all about prayer, 
And they say they do it all the time, or uh, they tell you I'll pray about it, but you just kind of, it doesn't seem, you know, it seems disingenuous, I should say. Um, and it, or you see people that do pray, and it just, like, seems too hard, and you're like, I can never get there. And so there's just kind of, there's all kinds of ways that you can experience it, and so it seems far away. And so I've experienced many of these emotions. So with that said, let's, you know, let's learn to get a habit of doing something. So prayer is interesting because we usually view it through the lens of just asking God for something. So when we hear prayer, I think the, the first place to start is, is how we just ask God. And usually we do prayer when something comes up like a huge test or a job interview or something like that, right? Like, isn't that how we typically do it? Or it's through a repetition. It comes up in the community environment. If you've ever been on a sports team in the past, it doesn't really happen as much now. But growing up, we would do the Lord's Prayer. Now, some people freak out, like, my sports teams that are on would do this. But, but it just depends on your background or whatever happened. But for many of us, maybe that's when you did it. And, and I, I grew up where I learned the Lord's Prayer through my sports teams, not through the church that I went to every single week. Isn't that interesting? Because the church tradition I was in, we didn't pray the Lord's Prayer all the time. We would talk about it kind of, kind of in a similar setting as this. But in other settings, like it's said all the time as a repetition. So I learned the Lord's Prayer through being in sports and being in band. And the marching band that I was in in high school, we did the Lord's Prayer before we went out for halftime. Isn't that crazy? So, like, so what, but you know, we could try this experiment together. I can say the words, our Father who art in heaven. Oh, you know it. You know it. Some of you, like, if, if, if you don't go to church that much, you even knew that. Good job. Like, hey, there you go. I mean, we could probably do the whole thing. Why, how do we know that? You've said it. You've heard it. And we're doing it in the King James Version, which was written in the 1600s. Hallowed be thy name. Talk like that to somebody at the office this week, right? It's, 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 but we don't even think twice about it. Like there's a part of our brains that stores habits. Maybe you've read about this. Like they've discovered this in depth through studying people who have short-term memory loss. They can have them do repetitions, and the, the back part of their brain is where they store habits and routines. And, and so people that would be the short-term memory would learn new things through repetition. And it was stored there because that part of their brain wasn't damaged. Isn't that fascinating? And so that is why, like, I've, I've gone on a ride with someone. I did this. I do this all the time, actually. But I'll be driving, like, downtown. And if I start talking to someone, I start driving, like, either home or, like, to the office or somewhere I normally go to. And I, as soon as I start talking to someone... My brain of where I'm going shuts off, and, and I've had somebody where I'm taking them home or giving them a ride. They're like, wait, no, you turned here. And like, no, you missed it. And like, and they know I'm supposed to know where they're going, but the, I'm talking, and that habit takes over, and a different part of my brain is driving somewhere. And this person is like, what's going on? This happens. Or you like, you're taking a shower, and you get done, and you're like, well, did I do anything? Because you just start thinking about your day, and you move on. When I take a phone call... This isn't really a habit. It's a habit, but anyway. I take a phone call. I start pacing. And my wife would tell me, she used to tell me in our old apartment, like she knew the pattern I would walk. And I would go from like window to window. I'm a pacer. And some of you are pacers when you talk on the phone. You'll see somebody in the park, you know, just on the phone. and just. In, and, but I actually have a habit. I didn't even know it. A pattern that my, I would do when on the phone. And so... 
we have habits, and I think we view prayer like that. So, let's hit the reset button on prayer and talk about, like, what is it really and why was it given to us? And so, I think we start with our, our, the problem of prayer is what we viewed it through, the lens of that. Um, but then... But then it becomes about, we think about prayer mainly through asking God for things. So when we are in a jam, and so we think prayer is only asking God for things. And I call this like two different things. One is the genie in the lamp, God. I just want to rub the lamp and say, God, please help me, you know, do this. Or, you know, the teenage, the teenage daddy. You know, a teenager just wants things from their parents. Like only, you know, they show up. You know, the whole joke is, you know, I'm just beginning to have teenagers, and so I'm, I'm beginning to see and experience this, I guess, but the only time they really want something from you is when they need something. They don't actually, it doesn't feel like they love you. It's like, oh, I need, you know, phone things, or I need media, or whatever it may be. You know, that's kind of how we approach God many times, is God help me in this. Job interviews, you got a peer reviews coming, a test, sports. You know, if you're a Jets fan, you start the year so optimistic, and then Aaron Rodgers is injured like on the first two plays, you know, and then, you know, as Giants fans, we had a terrible season, but it wasn't as bad as the Jets. I know that's debatable, actually. If you're in a jam, you come to God, God, if, if I'll stop doing this if you just help me out. But as soon as the problem is over, we don't think about God again. And so I want to talk about two main things when it comes to prayer. And then just read what we see in Scripture. So the two main things, I'll give them to you up front. You don't have to put them up. It's, it's, you're invited into a conversation, and it's about a relationship. Those are the two things. Let me read from Galatians. Galatians 4 says this. God sent him... Just talking about Jesus, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father. That says Abby, Father. <laughs> Abba, Father. And that means Daddy. Call out to him, Daddy. That's, it's a very intimate word for father. It says, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. When Christ came, and the reason we celebrate him, one of the reasons, is that we plunged ourselves into what we thought was bringing us pleasure and, and, and freedom of pursuing sin, walking away from God and saying, you know, God, we've, we have the things that you've made, we've, we have a better way of doing it. And, we, and we've walked away from him and enslaved us. And the things that you think will bring you joy really just enslave you, and you just have to keep more of it. It's like an appetite. And Christ, Christ came to free us of this and, and to find the freedom and the joy that we have in him. But he's brought us back to him not to say, oh, you did all this, and now you got to do all these things. No, he's brought us into the freedom of being in a relationship, that he is our Abba Father. He is our dad. 
our daddy. It's almost feels weird to say daddy because it's so childlike and intimate. But when Jesus prayed to the heavenly father himself, he would use that phrase daddy. And Paul, who's writing this letter to one of these early churches, is saying this. You are no longer in fear, but you're called to this relationship. From the beginning, God has made us to be in a relationship with him. When I talked about scripture last week, I talked about it engages us in his story in our lives. And he's leading us and are leading our hearts in a story towards him. And so now, because of Jesus, we are full heirs. And so we can run to him like our daddy. Now, God is complex. And I just want to say this. There is, God is complex. He's a, he's a multifaceted God, as he should be. We don't fully understand him. And so we, we, we come to him out of, he is a holy God. He is huge, and we come to him in reverence, and there's that absolutely. That's why we love the cathedrals, because we're trying to capture the bigness and the hugeness of God. But in the same thing, he's made us to be able to come right to him like our dad. And so it's absolutely complex. But he's removed the barrier so that we can go to him. So we can run to him like our daddy. Now, not just like a teenage daddy. (laughs) Now, he says, Jesus says, come and ask me of what your needs are. And he also says he knows what our needs are before we even ask them. So it's part of it. But I want to challenge you to think about it like a conversation. Engage and go to your father. So we want to learn to change the conversation. So number one, you were invited into a conversation. To go to him. Now, I've shown this picture before, and I think I did this on Labor Day weekend. So this may seem familiar, but I, I want to show another picture. This is JFK, John F. Kennedy, as president in the Oval Office in the White House. And, I, and it's so fun because he had young kids. We don't see that often now. Our presidents have gotten older, as you may have heard. Um, and and so it's so cool to think about young kids in the Oval Office. So I, if you've ever had young kids, like I just, there's such a joy when they're with you. And when it's my family together, and we still have a joy. I have three children. When they're little, like I, there's a side of me that you don't get to see as a dad. And we're just goofy. And, and I just, I, I don't have any barriers with my kids. And they have none with me. And it's just such a beautiful And so here is this place that people are trying to get to. Like if you and I were to go into a meeting with the president, even if you didn't like the president, you would still probably be nervous. And there would be this huge security protocol. It would take weeks to even, like, get through the the paperwork and the barriers and the identification, the verification, and all those types of things to get the listening ear of the president. And if you had, you know, that listening ear, Maybe you would have an idea of what you would tell him or her, you know, like to speak your mind. But I guarantee you would be nervous because of all the pomp and circumstance. And so with all that, here are these two kids, and there's this picture of them dancing, goofing off with their dad. Because he's not the president. He's their dad. There's another picture of his son, like, hiding in his desk <laughs> as a little kid. 
So I love to show this because depending on your background, we can be afraid of God. And there's absolutely a place that we should be afraid. And Jesus says that. This holy reverent fear. But he's also removed the barriers of slavery or sin that we can go to him and he is our Abba, Daddy, Father. And we can go to him. And he delights in you as you delight in him. And only Christ could make a way for us to do that. And so I love that image. Because I grew up feeling guilty because my own past experiences and, and my own sinful nature and, and bad theology at times my own thoughts that I would have, and my own parental influences of feeling guilty before God and worried and fearful. And I have to, God, the Holy Spirit has to do a work in my heart to undo this and undo this and undo this. But he is a father who delights in me. And when I blow it, because I do, because I'm sinful and I have all these habits and these things that are in me that I don't like, that lead me to regrets and like, I want to walk away from God and feel guilty, but it's in those very places that he wants to engage with me. Just like my own children, I discipline my children because I love them, but it develops a love between one another because I care about who they're becoming, and our Heavenly Father does the same thing. And so we want to learn to go to him in a conversation. And in fact, it's the very darkest of places in our hearts that Jesus longs to live that he's not afraid of like you and I are. And that's where we want to invite him in. So we go to him, and I want to challenge you to change the conversation. What if you started not by asking for things, but being still and quiet like we practice on Sundays, and then starting the conversation and inviting him in. So let's go back to the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 5, Matthew 6. Here's where we got the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, verses 5 through 18. Here's what Jesus said. He says, when you pray. And he, By the way, he's approaching this from the very religious people and then from the secular, you know, not God-fearing people, right? So he talks about prayer in two different ways. So the first one is a very religious. Because when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. So if you're someone who's not really happy with religion, Jesus, you might like Jesus because he confronted those who were super religious that pushed down on people and stuff like that. So he called them hypocrites, and they would usually be in his audience, and they got offended, just so you know. So he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. And there's a really good chance someone that did that was in the audience. Everybody's like looking at them. Isn't that interesting? Jesus said things that were hard, and he still does that for us. That's why we read scripture. Okay. He says, I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. He says, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. 
We don't have to worry. We can put on a big show. God hears us. When you pray, he says, don't babble on as the Gentiles do, the people that they would consider not really fearing God. They do their prayers. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. And so there's this picture of just repetition. You know, we, we've seen that. We just think we pray over and over again that God will be happy or pleased with us. But no, because of Christ, we know that He already is pleased with us. And we go to Him. And if that's true, then we just ask, engage. So then Jesus says this, pray like this. Here's an example for you. After he said, don't do this rep repetitively, we turned his next phrase into repetition. So I'm reading this in the NLT, which is a little bit more of a modern language. He says, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's just there's, there's all these incredible things. I'll walk through, but let me read all of it. May your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need, and forgive us our sin as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let, it yield, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Jesus was giving us a glimpse of how we can engage with God. He says, our Father who is holy. He's recognizing how this reverent God who is unlike us, who is perfect. He's the God of the mountains or the roaring ocean that just puts us in fear. When you stand on a cliff over the edge of a precipice, that feeling that you get. If you've ever had a been in a natural disaster where you just, it, it, it's so big and powerful, it's beyond what we can build. It's this, this fear of something so much bigger than us. We have this reverent God who is, he is, and we recognize him as holy. He says, may your kingdom come. And there's this place where we put him as our Lord over us. We say, I am yours. You are my leader. It's recognizing his lordship, his perfect will for, for us. It's so key. That's a big part of someone having a faith to step and believe in Christ because we're submitting to him. And that's what that's saying is I submit to you. And Jesus, who was part of the Trinity, of, of actually part of God, this unified God, was submitting to the Father, and that's so important that we have a God who's in relationship, God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. It's a critical part of our belief. They're in such submission to one another that they are one. And that's the beauty of this. We submit to him. May your kingdom come. He is our Lord. He is our boss. And then we say, your will be done on earth. And so we're saying, your will be done. Not me. You are my Father. And it's recognizing for me that I'm stubborn, I'm prideful, I'm selfish. I know the things, I'm telling you everything we should be doing today, and I go through weeks where I don't want to do it because I want to do what I want. And I need to say, your will be done. And when I do what I want, it brings me to anxiety and all these different things. And, <laughs> and I'm reminded I need him. I don't understand it all, but I trust 
you. These words keep us from acting in vengeance or trying to control things. God, your will be done. I don't understand it all. I trust you. But it's also saying your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This place where we say, God, look at this. This is not okay. Look at this injustice. And we see a God who cares about this. And, and we want the, the perfect heaven that we know will, will be brought back to one day. God, we, we want you to be, we know you're a God of justice. Look at this terrible situation. And we pray, may your will be done. May it be on earth here like it is in heaven. And so we pray for that. God who cares. It's important. Give us our daily bread. Necessities over luxury. <laughs> what we want and need sometimes, your will be done. Like give me this new car that's got all these things, right? We line up our hearts with his, but he knows what we need. Forgive us our debts as we forgive. We cannot just find fault in others. We're good at that. <laughs> in our cancel culture, we can find what's wrong with you, but it starts with us. It's so different. We recognize our need of forgiveness. We're willing to admit that we're wrong, and that gives us the strength to forgive others. Our culture needs forgiveness so bad right now. It needs this lived out, a place of discipline, of restoration. We don't know how to do that. We don't have words for that. Jesus has given us words for this. This says, lead us not into temptation, not without temptation, but keeping us from evil. We need protection. We pray for that. We're recognizing there is evil in this world. And we give praise to him. It's such a great example. We can use this as an example to engage in prayer. We're not praying this as some magic repetition, but he's showing us how to pray. So prayer, you are invited into a conversation, and you are invited into a relationship. Jesus' words to us show us this, how we talk to him. And so as we see the Lord's prayer, we view it through a different lens, not if this is something that you do and say exactly as it was written. No, he's like, pray like this. We do this all the time in our conversations with one another. Yeah, it's kind of like this. And we give an example, and we're like, oh, yeah. But this is showing us different parts of how we engage God. Start a conversation. He knows what you need. You can rest in him. You can say simple prayers and leave it at that. But also invite him into your life. Invite him into the struggle where you are. And that's part of what prayer is, the foundation of how we engage him. I want to end with these scriptures. This is Paul talking about his prayers for others. Here's what he says. I'm going to go through a couple of these. These are letters to these early churches that started at their belief in Christ. In Philippians, he says this, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. I should say that different. Always in every prayer of mine, for you all, making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. 
And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Colossians, he says, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. So much of prayer is praying for others, for God to do a work in their lives. Paul recognizes that God is is seeking you out for this story. Here he says, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then you will live, the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. And all the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Ephesians. He says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that, you get that apartment, no, so that you may know him better. That they would know him. There is this joy. The joy that we seek is knowing our Father. Last week I talked about Scripture. Jesus invited us to abide in Him. This is what you were invited into, to know Him, because He is the source of joy and peace. He doesn't take the bad things away, but He engages with us. To know Him better is the invitation. Prayer is also a conversation. It's a relationship. So, once a week, start there and then make it a daily thing. Maybe you do daily as you find a habit place in your life that you can begin a conversation. Don't start asking. Just start in silence. Invite him in and go from there. Make it simple. And then seek me out. Seek our other leaders out in your dinner group. To learn how to, to do these things over time. In the future, I'll go into prayer more in depth. Start with 15 minutes. Start with 10 minutes. And go from there. God will meet you if you seek him out. Let's pray together. Our Father, <laughs> we love you so much. Daddy. I pray today that we would know how you want to delight in us and that you do. That you are proud of us. I pray that we would learn to experience that. God, I declare today that you are my God and my Lord. I confess wanting to do things my own way, and I certainly have. But I pray that your will be done, even the things that I don't want. I think that I don't want, but you want for me what's good. I pray that your will will be done. I don't understand everything, but I trust you anyway. I pray for the brokenness that we see around one another in the political climates and all these things that we don't don't know how to, to go about this. May we learn to forgive one another. I pray for peace. God, come meet us in these things that are hard. May your will be done on earth as we see it in heaven. 
I pray for the things that we need. It's, it's super hard to live here because the costs are so high. And we worry about the future. I pray that you give us what we do need. And I pray that you give us peace to trust you, to know that you will and you do provide. God, help us to forgive others as you have forgiven us. I pray that you lead me away from the things that pull my heart towards regret and sin and destruction. Protect me from the evil one. Help me to love you more than things that that are destructive. I pray that you will be glorified through our lives. I pray for 2024 as a DCC family that we would love this city well and love one another well and love you well. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.